0: Hello, listeners.
1: Welcome to the Ashes to Awesome podcast, Rising in Recovery. My name is Chuck LaFlanche, and thank you for joining me while we take a mostly serious look at the realities of addiction and rising in recovery. This Memorial Monday is brought to you by Revolution Recovery, helping men recover and become their best selves through support and treatment. They've been there. And they understand. Well, we've seen another weekend come and go. I hope you had a chance to listen to the weekend ramblings, as that's a new thing, so you might not have been looking for it. And that brings us to another Monday, to another Memorial Monday, to be more specific. This week, Tiffany from the Vancouver area in British Columbia, Canada, shares with us her story of Nate. We heard a little bit about Nate in the bonus episode released on the weekend from Devin at Revolution Recovery, who knows Tiffany quite well and knew Nate quite well. Nate was actually one of Devon's clients at Revolution Recovery. He had some some more than nice things to say about him and who he really was as a person. And at the end of the day, that's what we're doing here, guys, with these episodes. Um, they are heart-wrenching. They invoke emotion. Lord knows they do with me. But remember, the goal is to remind everybody that the people we are losing are so much more than a statistic or how they passed. And that's really important here. In my mind, this is the best way to get the masses attention to make the muggles, as I like to call them, understand that the people we are losing are loved and love. And if we can do that, just maybe, just maybe we can catch the attention of the people that it can make real change happen, systemic change happen in the way of public policy, when it comes to harm reduction, fentanyl awareness, all the things. Now, one of the fantastic parts of this story is Tiffany's advocacy. She's taken a different approach to the advocacy than uh, some of the other moms, and that's not to take away from what they're doing. It's just to say that this is pretty awesome and, and pretty, you know, great in its own right, right? It's, um, but um, she is. Raising funds to help street addicts go see a therapist, and quite often, if not always, that therapist is our our friend here of the show, Ryan Bathgate, also known as the Captain on Kaleidoscope Wednesday. Now, I have to thank Ryan. What's I have to thank Ryan every bloody day? Let's be honest, but um, specifically for introducing me to this recovery community in the Lower Mainland, BC, uh, Canada. Here, it is the most amazing group of people they work tirelessly they're so passionate and and i'm sure it's like that in other parts of the world i've just been exposed so much to this part of the world and um i can't wait this summer i'm I'm planning a a trip out to, to the lower mainland and really looking forward to seeing mr bathgate he is uh he is an inspiration to say the least anyway guys as you know we like to change the format on, uh, on a Memorial Monday. And I like to get all my chores done before we play the submission as submitted by, in this case, Tiffany about her son, Nate. Now, the reason I do this is I want to leave you with the memory of Nate instead of more of my rambling. So we're going to do a PSA, my daily gratitudes, my exit monologue, all the things we do every day, quickly and then we're going to get into the submission made by Tiffany to which I will say I very rarely edit any part of these I do a little bit of sound engineering but I believe the right thing for me to do is to leave them completely unmolested so um, these are all the words from Tiffany and uh, a forewarning, a spoiler alert, guys. This one's, this one's another really emotional one. Anyway, let's break for this quick public service announcement, then a couple other quick things before we get into the submission. And now for a quick public service announcement. Grief isn't limited to the loss of a loved one. For all the support you need, TWC offers a grief and loss support and education group, and it's offered free of charge. Learn more at twcrecoverylife.org.
2: Hey everyone, this is Ryan Baffgate, also known as the Captain from Kaleidoscope Wednesdays. I wanted to bring a public service announcement to you today about Narcan, also known as Naloxone. These kits have saved so many lives over the years. Uh, I can attest for that. Being in the industry for so long, I can tell you since we've had the opioid crisis declared in 2016, it has saved thousands of lives, and I've watched it personally save hundreds of lives. These kits are small, easy to use. You can keep them in your glove box or in a cupboard in your home, and you never know when somebody's going to need them. If you have a hard time finding a Narcan kit in your area, just email us here at ashes Awesome Podcast at gmail.com, throw Narcan in the subject line, tell us where you are, and we'll do the legwork to find that for you. If you wanted to send me a question for my Kaleidoscope Wednesdays, Again, email ashes to awesome podcast at gmail.com. We will read that question on air and I'll do my best to answer it in a comprehensive way. Remember,
1: naloxone saves lives. Treatment saves futures. Together We Can offers addiction treatment programs and education support groups and workshops for friends, partners, spouses, and loved ones. Learn more about their services at twcrecoverylife.org. All right. Well, welcome back. And why don't we just jump right into our daily
3: gratitudes? Hey, this is Scott from the No New Friends podcast, the podcast for adults who love to laugh at adulting. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ashes to Awesome. The daily gratitudes are brought to you by the No New Friends podcast. Please check us out, No nonewfriendspodcast.com. We're streaming on all major platforms. If you just need laughter in your week, just an escape from what's going on in your life. I highly recommend my podcast to get you through that week, bring some levity and, and make you laugh. So check us out. No new friends podcast on all streaming platforms. That's no new friends podcast.com. And now here are your daily gratitudes. And remember you are loved. Right. So
1: daily gratitudes. This was recently put on me by somebody close in my life that I have all but stops doing with myself. As a matter of fact, for all that I preach about them, I've just gotten used to, who's ever on the show with me, uh, getting to do them instead of me. And, well, it's time I got back on track. So uh, as soon as I say it on air, it has to become a thing. So I'm going to start listing them off on the Facebook page every day if you care to take a look at that. Um, That's more about me holding myself accountable and making sure that I'm practicing what I preach. But in any event, today's gratitudes. well, Mondays are always easy for the first one. It goes out to Tiffany and her son Nate for trusting me with this. It is an honor and a privilege to uh, to be allowed to do this with the, with the memories and to try and frame them in a way that's respectful, and, and at the same time gets a message out. Right. I I mean I still have to. There's a lot of time and money goes into doing this, so I still have to include the sponsors in there. You know, there's a, there is a business element to it. And I really appreciate that they trust me to do all this with a little bit of class. And I try very hard to do that. So um, I'm, I'm very grateful to them for that. I am grateful to that person close to me who reminded me about my daily gratitudes. Very. um I do this every week or all the time, but I can't say it enough. The team and Ashes is Awesome, they're just wonderful. They really are. You know, it's this constant injection of energy and thoughts and criticisms and ideas and, and all the things that that come from having a team around you, right? And and Fortunately, these are also the people, my support people in my recovery. So it's uh I am blessed. I'm very, very blessed. And to now Devin at uh Revolution Recovery, um as you've heard in the title, he's he's a title sponsor of these episodes now. And more than that, for just a great conversation, just an absolute conversation over the over the weekend when we recorded or on on Friday, I guess, when we recorded. Um so much so that I had to break out into two episodes because two hours is uh, just a little bit longer than we normally do. So we release part one, you know, on Friday night, and in part two uh, will come out tomorrow. And him knowing Nate, he even had a little bit to say about him, which I thought was great to, you know, kind of kick it off and, and get into things for for this Memorial Week. And we are back on track for Memorial Week. You know, we we did miss the second one, but the third we managed to get right, and the fourth here we are. So Tiffany, who her words she could talk about him for hours, um, is not only submitted this beautiful piece, but she's got. Um, some stories to go along with every episode or some thoughts about about need anyway whether or not they are stories and uh, I think that's pretty cool. I really do I, I like the idea of pulling that memory through the rest of the week so so anyway um, and my last and, and, and final gratitude is to you the listeners it's always to you the listeners. I can't tell you how thankful I am. Every day I get a little closer to living my best life and my best life is uh, to make a humble living spreading the message and well the message is this if you are in active addiction right now, Today could be the day. Today could be the day that you start that life on good. Reach out to a friend. Reach out to a family member. Call them to detox. Do whatever the hell you got to do to come out on the other side because it is so much better. And if you're the loved one of an addict, just taking the time and are taking the time to listen to this episode, you just take another minute when you're done, text that addict, let them know they are loved. Use the words, you are loved. That little glimmer of hope just might be the thing that brings them back.
4: My name is Tiffany Daniel, and I'm sharing the story today about my son, Nate. Nathan Tanner Daniel was born March 12, 1992, and lost his life to a mixture of fentanyl and benzos in Langley on January 28, 2021. Nate and I were on our own together for the first three years of his life. As his father struggled with drugs and alcohol. And decided it would be best off if there was no interaction until Nate was 16. When Nate was 16, he did ask me to meet his dad. I had always told him about his dad. Set up a meeting. Nate met his father. They exchanged phone numbers. And Nate could never get a hold of him again. I almost feel like I set Nate up for disappointment with that meeting. But... He asked for it, and I granted his wish. Nate had a normal life growing up. He played soccer, lacrosse, got into skateboarding. He won a few skateboard competitions. He was in a movie called My Hair Made Me Do It, where he was ollieing the 10 stairs in Aldergrove. And basically, that was his outlet for a number of years. As Nate grew into his young teens... The crew at the skate park was a little bit older, so Nate started drinking at an early age. We started setting some strict curfews and boundaries for Nate. And as the years went by, he kind of started disregarding them, so we thought it was best if we took his skateboard privileges away. Nate was no longer allowed to spend time at the skateboard park, and we locked his skateboard up. Definitely wasn't a good idea. Now that we look back on it years later because Nate found other ways and other people to spend his time with and skateboarding would have been time better spent. The crowd Nate now hung out with was a party crowd, he was starting to distance himself from his good high school friends and he had found a new a new crowd from high school. The partying escalated. The weekends, he was coming home later than he was allowed to, and by grade 11, he had dropped out of school. Nate worked odd jobs here and there, lived at home, and was really wreaking havoc. He had a little brother that was born when Nate was eight. I got remarried, and it was just something I didn't want his younger brother to grow up seeing was the partying and the drugs and the attitude and and, and all of that and actually, and the fights. It started to cause fights between me and my husband. Ultimately, Nate's stepdad gave us an ultimatum. It was either Nate had to move out of the house or we were gone. I'm a mama bear. No one ever makes me between my children and anything else I spent the next few weeks packing up found a place to move with the two boys while we continued to co-parent but Nate started to withdraw Nate never forgave himself for splitting up our family and always blamed himself we had several conversations over that I tried to put him through counseling But Nate just grew into a deeper depression and started withdrawing even more from family and friends. Nate kept in contact with a few of his friends, but really started to lean towards now a harder crowd. It was constant partying throughout the week. It was weekends. Soon I had to ask Nate to leave. Nate moved out. worked odd jobs, bounced around here to there, and really became attached to two or three certain individuals. This seemed to be Nate's free ride to anything goes, drugs, booze, doesn't matter what time you party. Basically, living a life of mayhem. Nate and I have always been close, but he knew I was disappointed. I voiced my concern many, many times on the path Nate was taking. Nate broke his jaw when he was about 21 and was prescribed a liquid painkiller. Nate liked that liquid painkiller. We had plenty fights about that. I had to actually hide it on several occasions. After Nate got better, the wires were off his jaw, the partying began again. It was even steeper. Nate would show up at my house for visitations, as we always promised, we always had. We had date night. We'd go for dinner. Nate would be nodding off and acting off. I knew something was up. Fast forward about a year. Nate started into the Percocets. The Percocets then began Percocet pills buying off the street, which turned around to be fentanyl. Nate was now a full-blown fentanyl addict. That was Nate's drug of choice. Nate's behavior grew strange. He became very withdrawn. And about 10 months into his heavy addiction, Nate overdosed. I beg, Nate, you can't leave me. This isn't your time. You have to love yourself more than you love yourself. You are worth it. He finally decided that he should put an effort into recovery. He wanted to live he wanted to live a good life. I know he did. A mutual friend hooked me up with a gentleman by the name of Andy Batty, who is a intervention specialist. He met with Nate and within twenty-four hours. He had Nate picked up from my house and dropped off at a recovery house in Surrey. Revolution, recovery, welcomed my son with open arms and really showed Nate that recovery is possible. Although Nate only lasted a few months before he left and relapsed, Nate went back several times trying to fight the demon inside, which is addiction. In 2018, Nate struggled the most I've ever seen Nate struggle. He was bouncing around from couch to couch, working here and there, trying to hide his addiction. For years, I never talked about Nate and his struggles, but finally I was tired. It was time to talk about it. It was time to that people knew we shouldn't be ashamed of an addict it's a disease they don't love it any more than we love it they struggle as much as we struggle nate went back to revolution on several occasions would do really good and you would see the cycle nate would do good for several months you could see the depression setting in nate would leave nate would relapse In 2019, Nate was doing really well. He was in revolution really good really good stage in his journey of recovery and we went up to Kamloops for a slow pitch worlds tournament where Nate had volunteered at a mental health and addiction booth. Nate reconnected with some friends there that play baseball and they were genuinely, genuinely proud of him. He looked good, he felt good, he had some life in his eyes, and he was opening up to connections, opening up to old friends, bridges he had burned. Had a fabulous weekend with Nate, I still remember that weekend. We had some good laughs, some good times. We came back on the Monday evening, I dropped Nate back off at the recovery house, Tuesday morning, Nate received a call. Nate had called me and said, Mom, I have something to tell you. And I said, what what is it? He just sounded elated. And he said, I'm super scared, but I've just been given an opportunity to go to Thailand to receive trauma therapy treatment. Andy Batty, shortly after that, called me. We discussed it. And within three or four days, We had a plane ticket bought, and Andy was taking Nate to Thailand. I still vividly remember watching Nate walk out my door on a journey I knew I could never repay Andy for. Nate was there for about three months, came back, told me they peeled him like an onion. He had learned things about himself that he didn't know. And he learned how to not blame himself for being abandoned by two men in his life. His father, his biological father, and his stepdad. He was going to work on that. He had the life back in his eyes. We had done some outreach together. He was really loving the world of recovery. He had met some really close friends in there who called each other brothers. I'm telling you. The friendships that he made. I'm still in awe at the brotherhood they have in in the world of recovery. I've grown to love most of them as my own as well. A few months later, Nate was still doing well in his recovery and the height of COVID hit. Gyms were closed. There was no more one-on-one counselling. There was limitations to them leaving the house. And I hadn't spent much time with Nate either, just due to COVID. Nate relapsed. I still wonder to this day, if it wasn't for COVID, if Nate would still be on his journey in recovery. Nate spent the next few months struggling in 2020 in and out of treatment. Into a new job, out to a new job. It was just endless. I, I could see Nate spiraling. It was, I, I didn't know who Nate was. His drug addiction became more frequent. And then we became, we came upon Christmas. Nate went back to recovery In November, and he was doing really, really well. Nate was always a man of many words when it came to cards. Mother's Day, birthdays, Christmases. All his loved ones, we always got the best cards from Nate. And at Christmas, he gave me a card with the most heartfelt message. Saying he couldn't wait to spend Christmas with me, finally. In a good place, happy, healthy, and sober. I was so proud of Nate, I told him, I walked his journey alongside of him, I never told him I was disappointed in him, I always told him I loved him. We would always figure a way out of this. I had friends for years tell me, you gotta use tough love, cut him off of all communication, don't let him at your house, cut his phone off. I don't think anybody really knows what to do when you have a loved one that's an addict, there's no right or wrong. I chose to support Nate in any way I could because I didn't want to live a life of regret if anything ever happened. We had a quiet Christmas that year, which is 2020. It was really hard for Nate. He was used to large family Christmas dinners, but we got through it. About two weeks into January, he came for a visit that Sunday as we always did. We used to grocery shop. He always wanted to go out and get a nice dinner that he could make for the boys in the house. And he had mentioned to me twice that day. I still can't believe that dad, which is his stepdad, never even gave me a card or acknowledged me much for Christmas. I did all the work I could to get where I'm at with sobriety and it's still not enough. Nate just didn't understand that it takes time with with Carl, he needed time, Nate needed to prove himself. Two weeks later, Nate left treatment and relapsed. The Monday night, I couldn't get a hold of Nate, he had called me later that evening and told me he was in the hospital and that he had overdosed, he used to always tell me I fell asleep, they found me, I was sleeping. I said, okay, well, let's meet for dinner tonight. I want you to come and spend the night and we'll talk about it. We'll figure a plan. It was always, I was always, let's put a plan in place. Never heard from them. Called me Wednesday morning. They found me sleeping again. Mom. And this is when I knew. Nate, this is serious. You cannot one day maybe not wake up from one of your naps and his response to me was I don't care, I don't want to live this life anymore, I don't want to be here, I'm done I can't live this life anymore I told him Nate, we're going to do it you can't give up because I can't live my life without you I picked him up Wednesday evening after work we went to pick up his clothes at the recovery house came back to the house here and I was making dinner and we were going to watch a movie. Dinner was ready about 30 minutes later and Nate was gone. I immediately went to phone him and it went right to voicemail, which I knew right away that he had blocked me. He knew he was going to hear it from me. So I called Talis, I suspended his phone, which I did quite often. So I, I thought he couldn't call any drug dealers and I sent him a message on messenger and it wasn't very nice. Basically just said, disappointed in you. And I cut your phone off because I'm not going to allow you to die on my dime and call any drug dealers. It was the last message my son ever sent, read of mine. I went to bed with a pit in my stomach because it's the first time I never got in my car and I drove around to find Nate to bring him home. I thought, nope, not tonight. You know what you need to do to get back on track? I'll love you, but not tonight. The next morning I woke up, looked at my phone and I thought it was odd. Nate hadn't been online in a couple of hours, you can tell on the messenger app. So I immediately called the hospital. I thought, well, maybe Nate had overdosed again and that's where he was. But there was no track of Nate in the last 24 hours. So I thought, okay, well, then he was picked up by the police. It was quite often with Nate's reaction to fentanyl that somebody would call the police on him. He would flail around and scream and yell and act like he had Tourette's. It was uh, it was something else. I went about my morning routine, drove by my condo up to the coffee shop around the corner, and I noticed a police car in my driveway, and I thought, hmm, I wonder if Nate's in the back of there. Quite often, they would bring Nate home because they knew Nate. He was polite. He wasn't violent, and they would just bring him home and got my coffee, came back, and now there was two police cars in my driveway. I don't know what it is, if it's a mother's intuition, but I knew I jumped out of my car and I said, are you looking for unit 214? And the one officer turned around and I could tell by the grim look on his face. And he said, is your name Sean Daniel? That's my first legal name. So I knew it was next of kin. My beautiful, handsome boy was gone. How am I going to live my life without you, Nate? It's the first thing I thought. How dare you leave me? Grief is unexplainable. I can't even explain what grief is. It's a heart that is beyond anything you can imagine. I barely get through my days, but I know that the sun's going to rise, so I'm going to make it. to shift my focus to something positive. I've started a foundation called the Nate D Foundation. We've had two slow pitch tournaments to raise money. We've had several poker tournaments. We've done some online draws. And we've also to date sent four people for trauma therapy in Thailand and we've supported multiple individuals with counselling locally who suffer with mental health and addiction. If there's anything I can do with my living years in memory of Nate, it's to try to save one person, one family, from the pain that I feel. Our addicted loved ones matter. They are more than just addicts. Till my last breath, I will advocate for Nate, for addicts, for families suffering. This is a pain that nobody should feel. It's not just me that suffers. It's everybody that loved Nate, it's his brother. We need to end the stigma around addiction. Those addicts hurt as much we're hurting they're still loved they are our loved ones they were the little kids at the table on their birthdays blowing the candles out on the cake they were the kids sitting on Santa's knee at Christmas they are all that and until my last breath I will miss you Nate
2: Oh,